I was reading in First um, Peter four last week. Actually, it's been two weeks now, and um, it's about Peter goes in um, and just saying how suffering is that we should expect suffering. That suffering is an honor. It's honor to be insulted by God. It's an honor to take part in the in, in the suffering of Jesus Christ. So when when I got to the verse first um, Peter four seventeen, it talks about how. Well, let's just turn there. You all have uh, Bibles. Let's turn to verse first uh, Peter four seventeen. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits for those who have never obeyed God's good news? So this sprung a question in my mind, that um, what is it to obey the gospel, right? Because if it says here that those who don't obey the gospel, there's a terrible fate that awaits them. So I wanted to make sure that I know how to obey the gospel. Well, first, I got to know what the gospel is. So um, I started digging into that. And what I found was in for, uh, Romans 1, 1 through 5. When Paul declares the gospel, he gives us a, a very clear clear gospel here. So let's just read that. It says in Romans 1, 1 through 5, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, then again, we see 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And we see again what about what it says about the gospel. The gospel and the good news are, are interchangeable here. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message. I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true. Oops, that's a typo. <laughs> Tyru in the first place. First Corinthians one through four. Let me dig in. Uh, turn there myself here. First Corinthians fifteen one. Okay, so I didn't go all the way to four. I need the last, uh, the third and fourth verses here too. Um, so let's read verse three. Also, it says um, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture says. So, this is what Paul was saying, that this is the message, this is the good news that he preached. I passed on to you what was most important. He's cutting out all the fat from here, just breaking it down into um, 
three parts where he says Christ died and he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. So I imagine we've heard this before, right? The simple gospel, the simplest you can break it down into is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So everybody can accept that, right? So how, if this is the simple gospel, by the way, when we declare the gospel, we cannot forget to leave out this, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because if we leave out any part of that, then we are, we're not declaring the full gospel of Jesus Christ. So, but I wanted to answer the question, like, what, how do I obey this, right? How can you obey the death, burial, and resurrection? I got digging in a little deeper and looking on uh, for our sermons and what other people said about this and, uh, and they reference many verses, which I could go through a uh, hundred verses here, but um, I'll pick out the ones that are the most I don't know. Hit the hit the point right. Out, hit the nail right on the head, so we can see it very clearly. Let's go to. We should see an example of this, right? If if this is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how do we obey it? Then we should see a correlation somehow to what we have to do to obey that, and. Sorry, I've got so many notes. I'm trying to pack it all in. Just hit the important, the high points here. But, God so love the world. Let's go to Acts 2, 38 first. So, in Acts 2, 38, here's where Peter is declaring the gospel. Well, he has declared the gospel to the people here in Jerusalem. I think he's in Jerusalem. Anyway, this is the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit has come upon them and he has spoken boldly to the, the crowd of people. So the people feel convicted, right? They, they really believe what Peter has declared to them. He has declared the gospel that Jesus was the Son of God and he is raised from the dead. So now the people believe it and so they want to know, what do we do? And this is Peter, what Peter tells them what they have to do. It says in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this, I saw, I saw a, a correlation, if you will. If you see the death, the repentant, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then if you see these three steps, what Peter declares, that you must repent of your sins, it correlates with the, ba- the death of Jesus Christ. When, when we repent, we are dying of, of our Dying to sin, right? We are turning away from sin. And we, we have died to sin. And then in the burial of Jesus, this is what, um, there's many ber- verses here that, that correlate the burial of Jesus Christ with b- 
baptism. He says we we are when we are baptized, we participate in the burial of Jesus Christ. So, oh, the death, burial, and the resurrection. When Jesus was resurrected, then this correlates with the Holy Spirit. When we are receive the Holy Spirit, we have new life. This is uh, it's not our old man living in us, but it is the Holy Spirit living in us. Uh, who, who's really confused so far? <laughs> Is it is it correlating? Do you, you see the correlation, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in when we repent and we're baptized and we receive the Holy Spirit? It's like a mirror image. We see um, throughout the Bible where there's there's many times where they where there's a where there's an example, like say for instance the the snake that was put on the pole, and when the people, uh, Israel, looked to the snake, then they would receive their healing, right? And then this is uh, a correlation when we see Jesus put on the cross, and when we look to Jesus on the cross, we receive um, life. So, there's many correlations like that in the Bible, and it's really cool how how... If we dig in and, and we really pray and let the Holy Spirit to reveal things in His Word, then He just like, bing, shines a light and <laughs> the, the, what do you call it? The coin drops, right? Um, that may be only American expression. Who, who got that one? <laughs> okay, only three. Uh, well. <laughs> um, so, why is it important that we know the gospel for one thing because jesus told us to go out and preach the gospel throughout the whole world right so if we don't know what the gospel is then we can't obey and and go and preach the gospel to the whole world for one thing and if we don't know the gospel then we don't know how to obey the gospel so and and i I was really taken back because throughout my life of growing up in the churches and these things, I don't think I've ever heard of this correlation in, in scripture. I've heard, okay, the gospel, the simple gospel is death, the burial, and the resurrection. I've heard that before. It's been a long time ago. I can barely remember it. But I, I think this is a point that really needs to be, we as Christians, as Christ followers, we really need to know what is this gospel, how do we declare it, how do we obey it, and how do we teach others to obey it. If we go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, okay, we already did go back to that. This this is really important. When we see in verse, uh, I didn't put the verses on there, but it says, it is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe. It says that we are saved by this good news, by the gospel. So it's really important that we know what this gospel is, right? The gospel, death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ is what saves us if we truly believe. How do you know if you really believe? How, how can you just say yes? I believe that. Well, the people when when Peter declared the gospel to them, he they also believed. 
they believed it and they wanted to know, okay, now what do we have to do? Because if you really believe this, then there's going to be an action, a recurrent action. And so then Peter told them how to obey it, right? He told them, you must repent, you must be baptized and you must, you will receive the Holy Spirit. The, the point here specifically, I really want to, to stress, if we truly believe in what the scriptures are saying here, and then there's going to be an, an action that we take. I can relate this to, okay, Judas, okay? If we take Judas, he was a follower of Jesus Christ, right? And it came to one point where he changed. He, he did not, he changed his mind and did not follow Jesus Christ any longer. He said, there's nothing, there's suffering going to be involved here. He, this is not, this guy is not going to be the, the king like we thought. So his expectations were, were not, um, set in, in Jesus, in benefiting the, the kingdom. But his expectations were more about what he could get out of it himself. And, and I see that so much today when the prosperity gospel is, is preached and people say, oh, you can just come to receive Christ and your life will be great. You'll receive all these blessings. And then when trials and tribulations come, these people, they're, they're not prepared. So, I think this is really important to to stress when we are declaring the gospel that this death, the, re, the, the burial and resurrection of Christ, we have to truly, if we truly believe this, then we must repent and we need to be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, some, I, that is the action that would seem to, to follow if we truly believe. First Peter four seventeen to eighteen. Let's go back to that one if you have it. This says if we read this verse again with the understanding of what is the gospel, then we see that it should be up at the top. First Peter four seventeen. Maybe it's not on there. Anyway I'll just go to it. If you guys have uh, your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter 4, 17 and 18. We'll read that again. 4, 17. So it says, for the, for the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? So, and also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So it's, this is, um, heavy. To me, this is really heavy. If, if I don't obey the good news, and then, then there's a terrible fate that awaits. And if, says the righteous are barely saved, then what will happen to godless sinners? So we are considered righteous when we, when we receive Jesus Christ, right? And, and there's a whole other story I could go into about the, the servants and, um, those who were, ah, should I go into that? Yeah, sure. Okay, remember the story of the, the master? 
and the, the servants. The master was going on a long trip and he has servants and he gives one servant five bags of silver and then he gives another servant two bags of silver and he gives another servant one bag of silver. And he goes along, off on a trip for a long time and the servants, they immediately go, well, two of the servants, they immediately go to, to work. Uh, but the one that received the one bag of silver, he was afraid. So he dug a hole and he buried his, his bag of silver in the ground. And uh, so when the master comes back, remember these are, they, they specifically say servant in here. He didn't say that those people that are outside that didn't work for the master, he didn't call them into account. This is when it says in verse 17 about the household of God, that judgment is, is, uh, begins with the household of God. That's, that's talking about the servants. That there will be a, a day when of, um, a giving account to what we did with what God, everything that God gave us. And, uh, so these servants came to, came to the master and said, here, here's what I, I, you gave me five bags of silver. Now here I earn five more. So the master was very pleased and he said, good, well done, faith, good and faithful servant. You have been in, uh, faithful with little. Now I will give you charge over much. Right. And then the, the second servant comes in and who had been given two bags and he tells the master, here, you gave me two bags of silver. Here I, I have earned two more bags of silver. And the master was very pleased. And he, he said, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. I will give you charge over much. And we're talking about the kingdom of God, right? When they will be given charge over much in the kingdom, it's, it's not like we're just going to be floating around and singing praise songs all day in, in heaven. But uh, I think this is a, a great picture of we will have responsibilities in heaven. He's preparing us for those right here on earth. Anyway, so back to the third servant. Okay, the third servant, he has one bag, and he comes to the master, and he says, Oh, master, I knew you were a, a harsh master, and you reaped what you did not sow, and you... Anyway, so he was, he was complaining to the master. He, he was fearful of the master. And uh, so he just said, here, here's your one bag of silver. And the master was very displeased. He didn't use what, what the master had given him because he was too fearful. And so he just went and buried it in the ground. That's like, like us. If we, we are servants of God... But if we take what God has given us and don't use it to to increase the kingdom, then I believe that that the, this is what uh, this parable is about. That Jesus will, on that day of accounting, uh, taking into account what you have been, what you did with what you have been given, then um, you are, run the risk of being called a wicked servant and not um, coming into the kingdom like the like the other servants so um paul also mentions a lot about this about running the race that you may receive the prize um so 
This is is a really a heavy <laughs> a heavy uh, topic, and we really need to take these these things seriously. And um, I kind of got off topic there with that story. So let's come back and look into Romans six one to four. Romans six one to four. All right. So here it this references the the correlation between the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Romans six four says, "For we died; we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we have also may live uh, new lives." So is that. Is that a clear uh, correlation? It relates the uh, the baptism with the burial of Christ. It relates the um, glory um, when Jesus was resurrected, was ra- raised from the dead, resurrected. It re- it correlates to us as we live new lives. Is that making sense? Have you guys? Ever, ever heard of this correlation before? No. Yes, no, no. Okay. <laughs> um, let's turn to Matthew 10.38. I don't think I put that on there. No, I just wrote that as one of the... There's, let's go through these. I've got several verses. And... Um, Matthew 10.38. Let's start there. I've kind of put them in order. So we'll go boom, boom, boom. We'll just flip a few pages. Matthew 10.38. It just says, You there yet? Raise your hand if you're there yet. All right. Matthew 10.38 says, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me, Jesus says. And again, he says that in Matthew 6.24. So no one can serve two masters, for he will hate one, love the other. He will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Really, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to any other, any other idol, really, any other God. If you're, you're putting money as a God, then that you cannot serve two masters, right? So if we are committing our life to God, then uh, we cannot serve two masters anyway. Go to the next one in Matthew twenty four fourteen, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. This is another example why why it is so important to to know what the gospel is and how to preach it and how to um, what will happen when it has been preached throughout the whole world. Go on to the next one, Mark, Mark eight thirty five. This is what I I do when uh, when I come into when I'm just reading the verse, reading like like I said what last two weeks ago. I was really I was fasting and praying and reading the scripture, and this question pops into my mind. Say how what is the gospel, right? And faced with this question, okay, now how do I obey the gospel? So that's took me on a a search through the scripture this is this is how you really get to learn more about the word digging into the word like this and i so encourage everybody to do that 
if you have any questions, then just, they're all right here. We have the Word of God in our hands, readily available. We have it, most of us have it on our phones. And any key word you want to search up, you can look it up. And, and all the verses that have that key word in it will show up. So it's really so much easier now for us these days uh, to study the Bible. Mark 8.35, if you... This is Jesus talking about, as it's in red letters, you can make sure, you can, you can know that it's definitely Jesus talking. It says, I'm gonna start in verse 34, as I hate just taking one verse out of, out of the, the word. It says in 34, Jesus, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way, Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life and my for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So there again, we we give up our lives for Jesus and the good news, the gospel. So we, what are we giving up our lives for? If we give our lives for the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we understand that, then it makes a lot more sense. It puts us in this verse and says, what action do I have to take in order to, you know, giving up my life? So there's a lot, a lot in here that we could dig through. And I know I'm kind of jumping around. These all correlate to to the gospel. And uh, let's go on to the next one, Mark 16, 15. So it says, and then he told them, Go into the world, <clears throat> go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who is, who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So this is Jesus giving us the great commission. He's telling us that, uh, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. There again, we see that when, when we believe, there will be an action to follow. Just like when Peter declared the good news so there will what the people believed it and they so they wanted to know what do we do well the first step after they believed they repented then they were baptized and they received the holy spirit there's so many more verses here i'm going to oh okay here we go james 2 19 this is an important verse because James is, we were just going through James in the Bible study and we've been digging through it and it's really powerful. James is so telling us how to live a Christian life. So James says in verse 219, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And that they tremble in terror. How foolish, verse 20. How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Um, then he goes on and, and tells about how faith, how their ancestors, when they believed, when they had faith, then it called them into action, right? So, just like Abraham, when he offered Isaac on the altar. If God told him to to go and do this and to offer Isaac on the altar. And Abraham says, okay, yeah, I have faith. But then he doesn't do it. What does that say? If he didn't climb the mountain and put Isaac on the altar, 
What did that say? It means that he, he really didn't have faith. And he did he wasn't being obedient. This there's a correlation. When we have faith, when we believe, then there will be an action behind it. Uh, we will repent. I mean that is the first step for definitely who nobody can argue with that if you really if you really believe that jesus is lord and savior and he died for your sins and he rose again and he calls you to follow him then you we will repent that is that is the first step that we really need to repent and uh that is a, a dying to sin. And there, there's several in, well, there's one, one story I can, I can, uh, relate here that some of these things, there, there's not a strict order, order of operations. You know, God, God doesn't fit in our, our little box that we, we may think that He needs to fit into. We need to expand our, our thinking of God is a mighty God. He can do anything that he wants to do so another example here when peter was preaching i forget who he was preaching to but he's telling the church he's writing this letter or telling the church back in israel that he went and preached the gospel and the people believed they automatically believed right when he was preaching and they received the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they started speaking in tongues, and they started repenting of their sins. Then Peter's like, okay, now they've already repented. They've already received the Holy Spirit. Who can say that we they can't be baptized? So there's... There's another instance here. It doesn't go, it doesn't have to be fit in our box and say, okay, now you have to repent. Now you have to be baptized. Now you have to receive the Holy Spirit. But there's definitely the, the disciples, whenever, wherever they went, this is what they stressed specifically on the, the day of Pentecost. We gave that example. And this other example, um, there's examples all through the Bible. When they, when they declared the gospel, they made sure to, to say, that uh, you you need to repent. You need to be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. There's another verse on here. Okay, Acts 26, verse 20 and 21. Let's read verse 19 here. This is Paul giving his testimony. And then he says uh, in verse 19, Acts 26, 19. And so King Agrippa... Not sure if that's right, but Agrippa. I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, and all, uh, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. And some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. Uh, so there, it was, Paul was saying, you must repent. That's, that was what he was pre- preaching. And because he was saying the repentance, and because he was preaching that, that Jesus was resurrected, and uh, this is why the Jews arrested him and uh, were preached or, or threw him in prison and tried to kill him because this is offensive. If we preach the whole gospel and don't leave these things out, it's really offensive to people you know if we preach a watered down gospel that says oh just just come to receive jesus he loves you and he wants to set you free but we don't preach that you need to repent then there's there's not that's not offensive why would people be wanting to stone you if you're just preaching that right 
But if we if we don't leave anything out, then I think that we will see the power of God, have the opportunity for the power of God to move whenever we declare the, the full gospel and pray for the people. I really believe that this will allow um, the Holy Spirit to do miracles and uh, the signs and wonders will prove of what this gospel that we're preaching. If we leave out parts and water it down, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have that same opportunity to prove of what we're saying by by demonstrating these signs and wonders. So I just wanted to encourage us, as most of us here are sent here into this nation uh, to declare the gospel, that it's really important that we that we know what the gospel is. We know how to obey it. We know how to teach others how to obey it. I know this is probably really challenging. It's really a challenging message to to bring because I don't know. It's um, it's something that you don't hear very much of. I know I haven't heard much of this at all throughout my life. So um, it was really amazing when when the Holy Spirit took me deeper into this word and I started digging and yeah, it was really encouraging to me and I just think that Holy Spirit opened up this opportunity for me to to share with you guys the same and to challenge you challenge you dig in the word and and see what is your, your our our foundation our faith what is the foundation of our faith you know and what does that mean in our lives to what actions do we take? Is it all throughout the, the, the word that we, we see that there are actions that follow when we truly believe, when we truly know that we are sinners, we, we repent, you know? And when we truly want to partake in, uh, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then, then we will follow his example. Uh, why did, why was Jesus baptized anyway? He, he wasn't, it wasn't a baptism of repentance. Uh, this was a baptism. He was being op- obedient. I looked into this quite a bit in the past about why was Jesus baptized, right? Because he was sinless. So he was baptized for, by, um, to, just to be obedient to God. And in doing that, he set an example for us. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, and this new life arises in us, then that is so exciting. We don't live for this, this sin anymore. We live, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we, we become children of God that are full, full of His, His power, and, um, receive this, uh, what do you say? Receive a, <laughs> receive an anointing to that we may fulfill His calling. Otherwise, if we're trying to, to, accomplish what he's asked us to do without receiving the Holy Spirit, we, we can't do it. Just like when Jesus said, he told the disciples before they received the Holy Spirit, before the day of Pentecost, he told them to go and wait. He knew they couldn't do it. He, they couldn't declare the gospel in the right way. They could, they weren't filled with the, the power of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't accomplish what God has really commissioned us to do unless we truly are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can be bold and uh, declare what the Holy Spirit speaks through us. I hope that challenges you, and I um, hope it sheds a, a little more, uh, just a little more light on, on the simple gospel, how we can declare it, 
there's examples throughout the word how we can declare the gospel and it's it's pretty simple but we have to make sure to include every part of it um oh so speaking of i'm gonna close out and uh, we will partake of communion you want to be a close out in prayer right now or did you just take it okay Hi, this is the first Sunday of the month. Uh, they're going to pass out communion. If you guys would please pass out the elements um, as we get going here. Uh, as John was preaching, the message is very simple. There is the gospel message. We all know the gospel message, right? Everyone here. I'm looking around. I know everyone in this room. I know you all know it. And John said it very clearly. It is that we are all sinners. We're all in the need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ came as a man as God incarnate, died on the cross, paying the price for each and one of our sins, past, present, and future, went into hell, paying that price for each and every one of us, and then rose again, and was resurrected from the dead three days later. So that's a gospel truth. That's the gospel message. And it's faith in that alone that we are saved from eternal damnation, the price of our sins. But if you say you believe, John's message is very clear. If you say you believe, if you say you have faith in that message, there's more to it. There will be repentance in your life. There will be surrenderance to God. You will lay your life before Jesus. You will lay your life before that cross and say, God, here I am. Do with me as you will. So it's true. The gospel message is simple. But there's something behind it. There's some teeth. There's some action behind it. And it needs to be taken. Now, this is an ongoing process. This isn't something that just happens once and we're done. This is something that each day we wake up and we face our world and face the situations in our life that we have to say, Lord, I surrender to you today. Here I am. I know what you did on the cross. I accept the promises that you've given us. But here I am today, surrendered to you, Lord. I pray for your will, not mine. So if you say you believe in the gospel message, you will obey Jesus' commands. We can't do that on our own. John talked about that. We need the Holy Spirit in us. We cannot do that on our own. The greatest apostle, probably Paul, taught a whole chapter on it. I cannot do this, but only through Christ Jesus alone. So as we take communion today, I want you to reflect on that. Communion is one of the ordinances that are commanded to do from us. If we say we are a believer in the gospel, we are to take communion. We are also to be water baptized is the other one. So if anyone here says they are a believer, they say they believe the gospel, you will obey God's commandments and you will be baptized. It is a public announcement of your faith in Jesus Christ and the new life that you have been given. So if anyone has not been water baptized, would love to be baptized, please let me know. Today we take communion. Is a time of fellowship, is a time of assessment, a type a time of repentance, a time of thanks, a time of reflection. It's us talking with God saying, Here I am. Thank you and an acknowledgement of what He has done for each and every one of us on that day on the cross. It's a time to look at our lives today. Are we walking as God would have each one of us? Is there any sin in our lives? Is there any action in our lives that would not be honorable or edifying to Jesus? Is there anything that we need to address with my fellow man or with God? That's what communion is. It's a time of fellowship with God and yourself to say, Lord, here I am. It's also a time 
to reflect on the promises that he's given each and every one of us. As we hear this traumatic details of this child going to heaven and the grief that follows, we can also rest and take this time of communion and be assured of the promises he's given us. That's that final part of that communion. Just to thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for the promises you've given us. Thank you for the assurance, no matter what we face here in life, we know how this worked out. We know where Benjamin is. We know that he is there with Jesus in his arms. So as we get ready to take the bread and the juice, and we'll try to do that in the correct order. Some of you may laugh at that since we've done it backwards a few times. I'd like you to reflect on John's message. I'd like you to reflect is, how do you obey the gospel? I think, like John said, there's not a specific order to it. But each one of us, I'm sure, can look at some area in our life and going, wow, that part of my life maybe is not as obedient to the Lord and to the Bible as it should be. Maybe I need to work on that. I know I got things in my life, and especially lately, the spiritual warfare in my household has been just horrendous. I've never experienced anything like it. But all that said, what am I doing? Am I on my knees? Am I crying out to the Lord? Am I in God's word? Am I, what am I doing? Am I obeying the gospel? Am I obeying what God has put on my heart? And I think each one of us have different stages in our lives, different things that need to change, different stages of repentance. It's true we need to repent. But you know what? There's things I'm repenting about today, this week, that I didn't even know about last week. Crazy how that works, huh? There's things that were immediately, when I got saved, was removed from me. But there's stuff still to come. I'm sure that's... God's working on me. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Thanks to sanctification. So let's just take a minute here. Let's pray. Let's take this bread, which is a symbolism of his body, his body broken for us. And we'll take it, this juice in the Bible, wine, an example of his blood poured out for us. The price that he was paid for each one of us, for each one of our sins, past, present, and future, forever. So join me in prayer and communion. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this amazing message that John has given us, Lord. Just a reminder that we are to look at our lives, to assess there is obedience that's called for, Lord. It's not just saying we believe, but it's obedience to the gospel. It's obedience to you and your commands. And that is how we show our love, Lord. One of the ways is our works towards you, Lord. It's not the saving works, but it's our love for you and towards others, Lord. So, Lord, as we take this bread, Lord, we just acknowledge what you've done. We just acknowledge that you allowed yourself, being perfect, being 100% God, 100% man, be placed on that cross and allow your body to be broken for each one of us, Lord. We just thank you for that, Lord, and we acknowledge what you did, that you paid the price for each one of us, and we are redeemed. So, Lord, we take this bread now. We just take a minute to think about what in our life needs to change. Or what we should be doing different to be obeying the gospel. To be following your will for our life. Lord, as we take this cup, we just thank you. We come in thanks of the promises that you've given us. We come in recognition of the blood that was shed that day. We come in, Lord, just thank you, Lord, for paying that price that we could never truly, we couldn't do it. It took the perfect, blameless lamb's blood to be poured out. And Lord, you did that. If only just for me, you paid the price while I was yet still your enemy. 
Lord, I take this cup, I drink of this cup now, acknowledging what you've done, proclaiming what you've done, proclaiming the gospel message that your blood was shed for our sins, Lord. So Lord, I praise you as the worship team heads up, Lord, as we close out our evening, our Sunday afternoon, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that we would just go about this week remembering this, believing and sharing the gospel message to everyone we meet, sharing it in every different way that we can, if it's through words, through our actions, through our text, through however it would be that you would lay on our hearts to share. But also, Lord, they would see us. They'd see something. There's something behind what we're saying. There's something behind what we're preaching. There's more substance than just our words. So let us obey that gospel, Lord. Let us, our faith, be shown. As we as we face these incredible, difficult circumstances I've heard today, Lord, let others look into our lives and see that hope that we have in you. Let that be what they see, Lord. Let them see that hope. They will see the pain, they will see the grief, but they will also see the, see the hope that is given us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. We love you, Lord. And just hear our praises as we take communion today. Let us reflect on that and just be with us this week. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.